what comes to your mind when you think of the word feminine? Honest question. Do you feel feminine or even desire to feel feminine in your life? As a coach myself who primarily serves women and someone who's always had a heart and soul for uplifting and empowering women in every way, this is a topic near and dear to my heart. I don't think it's any secret that women are struggling in the world right now. Now, don't get me wrong, there's been a lot of progress and I'm certainly grateful for that. But I can't help but notice that still so many women in supposedly liberated, free, progressive countries are still exhausted, underappreciated, undervalued, and underliving our lives and our potential. Women, we're out here. We're busy. We're trying to build a career, build businesses, raise families, keep a household running, be great partners, exercise, meditate, stay hydrated, be sexy, keep all the top spinning in our life, and look good doing it. Now, I am absolutely the woman who believes you can have it all. It's right there in the podcast intro that we do believe you can have it all. But this doesn't mean that you need to do it all, that you can do it all. And it doesn't mean that you can do it all and have it all at once or that we, our definition of having it all is the same as what anyone else's would be. The truth is that as women, we're told the millions of different things we should do, who we should be, how we should act. It's my belief that we're in an awakening of women. We're still waking up and realizing that we can actually consciously choose who we want to be, what we want, and go create it. I notice that a lot of women, consciously or unconsciously, still feel confined and limited by certain labels and often see femininity as a weakness. While none of the women I know fit into any box, we are all still navigating and creating our own experiences and expanding out of that proverbial box of what a woman is. The world as I see it, the way it currently sits, is still generally a man's world. And as a woman, I do believe we are all trying to figure out how to step into our full power and our full potential. I believe femininity can be a superpower if we know how to access it, build into our lives, and evolve with it. Today's guest, Sarah Bogdanova, is a femininity coach who teaches women to get that pop bottle worthy life. Leaving a successful competitive dance career where she became a world professional semifinalist and an award-winning coach across North America to go full-time with her coaching business, she realized how many women were struggling to embrace their femininity as their superpower. In this day and age, this conversation feels really, really complicated. I'm going to be honest with you. I put off recording this episode for years because I wasn't sure how to navigate the topic mindfully. The words mother, woman, feminine, femininity that can be very triggering. It's been a journey, <laughs> a long journey, but I've come to this realization that despite my people-pleasing nature, my job as a coach is to both support people to explore their triggers in a brave and safe environment and also to provide people with ideas, concepts, tools, strategies, and conversations and products that help people to improve their life and live it to their fullest, most authentic expression. I honestly believe Harnessing the power of femininity is one of those things that can make a really big difference in your life. So it's my job to talk about it, to share it, and to put it out there for you, for you to explore if it might serve you. If you've been listening to Golden Girls Podcast since our reboot in summer of 2022, you know I'm not willing to tiptoe and avoid uncomfortable conversations. I don't want to ignore the gray space. I'm not afraid of cancel culture. I actually want to talk about the gray and the nuance. 
I want to, and I believe this is one of my purposes in life, I want to contribute to a culture that we can talk about hard things. And strangely enough, the concept of women, femininity, and feminine power feels like one of those hard things right now. So I want to contribute to a culture where we can talk about it, and this is this is me living that purpose. Putting together this episode and talking about femininity feels like a bit of a minefield. Because while my, I am a caring person, and I know Sarah is too, Frankly, I think our culture has taken this so far that we don't even feel as women that we can talk about things like being a woman because we're so afraid that we're going to offend someone or hurt someone or say the wrong thing. It feels like the labels are super quick to come out. You can be a transphobic on one side or called letter person on the other side. There's the dichotomies, the, the polarization, the far left, the far right. And I really believe that we need to have the courage to drop the labels, to drop into our heart to open up the invitation for conversation and do the work to understand each other. I want a world where we can truly honor our differences and let that be okay, not have it be something that says something about who we are or who we aren't. So let's, this conversation is an opportunity for us to open up the gray space, the nuance, the in-between. And I know both Sarah and I are coming with good intentions and we want to show up here with love and the courage to be who we are and be women. And to inspire others to step into that if it feels right. Now, before Sarah and I recorded this episode, we, Sarah pulled a truth bomb card from Danielle Laporte's deck. And the card that was pulled is Love Rewards the Brave. And I feel that for all of us, that love rewards the brave. So let's be courageous. Now, this is going to go for any label out there. If any label out there, whether it's wife, mother, feminine, hashtag girl boss, whether that resonates with you or triggers you, which of course the triggers are a chance to explore, um, it's okay if those things aren't for you and it's also okay to be brave and say these women's, these words excite me and they appeal to me and they call to me. This episode is not for everybody. It may not make everyone happy and that's okay because heck, as Danielle says it, love rewards the brave. Here's my commitment to you, to me, you may not like or resonate with everything we say, but I, my commitment to you is to be a leader who respects other people's choices. I will hold this space to talk about hard things. I come to this conversation and all my episodes and my, my coaching sessions grounded, calm, compassionate, open, and coming from my best self. If I don't do that, I don't hit record. I don't show up on a call. I'm willing to get it wrong sometimes. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to hear out all the perspectives and sides, and I'm really grateful that Sarah is also open and willing to have this conversation, which as I said, can feel like a minefield, but we're here for it to courageously walk through it together. I give you this commitment because I really feel like if you don't hear this from me, um, how can you trust me as a coach? How can you trust me if you don't know that I can hold this space? So I think it's a non-negotiable in my role as a coach to hold space, to be brave, and to hold the gray. That's a lot of disclaimers, <laughs> but that's the gray. That's the nuance. And ultimately, it's why I'm so grateful for this podcast and the ability to take this conversation off social media into the podcast to put out longer form content that allows me to add some, obviously not all, but some context, some more information, some perspective. Because I think social media takes us down to right, wrong, left, right, pro, anti, um, and doesn't hold space for nuance and, and the conversation that we need. My belief is that it is these longer, nuanced conversations. It's going to be questions, hard questions, deep questions, and discussions like this that are going to help us as individuals and a collective to heal, to reconnect to each other and to ourselves, and to unite instead of divide. 
So back to femininity, <laughs> which is where we're going. Um, earlier this year, personally, I felt a deep desire to start to feel more sensual, have more sensual experiences in my life. And I'll talk about some of that in this episode. And when Sarah says femininity is a superpower, I really believe it. If this is a topic that you're curious, intrigued, interested about, you're going to love it. Um, this episode we talk about a lot. We You're going to hear the framework of femininity and learn how to create rituals and systems to add to your femininity toolbox so you can show up in your life the way you want to. You're going to realize that you don't have to contort yourself into anyone else's definition of what femininity or womanhood or motherhood is. And instead, you can start to define it for yourself. You're going to see femininity as a superpower and know how to tap into your femininity. You're going to understand the importance of evolving as a woman and knowing how to check in, just like we check in with all of our goals, you know, shameless plug here, check in with your femininity too. In this episode, you're going to learn how to integrate femininity into your life, into a way you can be in the world and have systems that nurture you instead of having femininity be one more thing on your too long to-do list. And you're going to get permission to talk about femininity, as spicy as it is. (laughs) By the end of this episode, you're going to feel inspired and know that femininity is a superpower and attainable for you. You're going to hear and feel that it's possible to have a relationship, career, lifestyle, family that nourishes your femininity while you nourish others. And you'll have the tools, strategies, and permission to access this. You're going to hear that femininity is something that can be learned and harnessed. And if you choose to, you can harness it for success in your life too. So let's do this. Thank you for being here. Thanks for being open. Let's dive into femininity. Welcome to the Golden Girls Podcast, where we believe you can have it all. I'm your host, Lisa Michaud, and I'm spilling tangible tips, goal-getting strategies, and real-life stories to inspire you to tackle your biggest dreams. You're a woman who knows you're made for more. Get ready to leave the excuses and self-doubt behind by being vulnerable, sharing your truth, and having honest conversations so you can succeed on your terms. Together, we'll set goals you'll actually achieve by staying motivated, having fun, and building a community of women empowering women. It's time to tap into your best self, get confident, and truly have it all. Golden Girl, let's dive in. Well, hello there, Golden Girls. Welcome to this episode of the Golden Girls Podcast. I am joined here live and in person with Sarah Bogdanova. Oh, well, gosh, I think I said that wrong again. I'm no, you said it right. <laughs> you got it. Um, so Sarah is the first femininity coach servicing women by drawing on her unparalleled experience as a world-class dancer and award-winning coach. Sarah provides tangible tools and strategies to help high-performing females infuse their lives with more joy, confidence, and peace. Sarah offers one-on-one coaching and is the creator of the online course, How to Walk in Heels. And you better believe I'm going to ask her how to walk in heels. (laughs) Sarah, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so grateful to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about this conversation. It's going to be juicy. Yeah. So let's start out with the basics. How do you define femininity? So for me, femininity is the expression of being a woman, and that's going to show up differently for everybody. So when I think of getting intentional about my femininity, I think about how I want to look, how I want to feel, and how I want to show up in my world. And then I design my life around that. So how do you, how have you Mm -hmm. figured that out? And what does that mean to you? Like, how do you want to look? How do you want to feel? How do you want to show up? Mm -hmm. It's something that I've constantly revisited because as a woman, you evolve. So I'm not the same woman that I was two years ago or five years ago. 
And a big part of femininity for me is being present. So I'm constantly going back and evaluating, am I showing up in life the way that I want to show up? Am I feeling feminine? Am I feeling present? Am I feeling soft? Am I feeling joyful? Those to me are all good signs that I've poured into my femininity. Wow. And I, peace, you use the word peace, peace too, yeah. intentionally. Yes. I think peace is something that women are desperately craving in their life. And we can get into all of the different messages that they're given, but all of those different messages disturb our peace. So if we're not intentional about what femininity looks like to us, then it's very easy to get rattled by everybody else's version of how we should look and how we should show up. Let's get right into it. What yeah. are some of those messages you think that women... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much every message that you could think of there's an opposing message telling women to be a different way. So there's, you should be the boss, babe. You should be the stay at home mom. You should look like this. This doesn't matter. This matters. Everybody has a different opinion about how women should act. You should be the nice girl. You should be aggressive and like really fight for what you want. All of these different messaging that men don't get as much of just as a side note, women get way more. It's ingrained in us since we're young. And if we don't think about what we're hearing, it's really easy to just get lost and lose that peace, lose that joy. Mm, and lose yeah. ourselves in the process. Exactly. I would be so curious. I, maybe after this, I'll do a little Instagram poll just to see. I'm, I'm curious how many women, and obviously my Instagram poll would not be that scientific, but yeah. <laughs> how many women really feel like they have peace in their lives? I, I bet that number is not very much. Yes. Not very high. Um, and it's so interesting because it's probably one of the... I can imagine it being one of the greatest gifts that mm -hmm. we can give ourselves is peace. Because when you have peace, you have presence. And when you have presence, you have everything else. Connection yes. and calm and all the beautiful things and connection to yourself. And I think that peace comes from clarity too. So we have we have different goals for our career. We have different goals from our for our family. And when we have those laid out and we have the systems to get those goals, we have peace. But when we don't think about our femininity, we don't have any systems laid out it's very hard to feel that peace. So it's getting super clear so that you're constantly nourishing that. Mm, so good. Okay. Yeah. So one other thing I wanted to ask you about before we dive too deep into all of the yeah. things, um, if you can speak to, you know, the polarity, the feminine versus masculine, and even yes. I shouldn't be using the word versus, uh, the feminine masculine polarity, like, yeah. what does that mean? Can you give us some context for someone who maybe has, we've heard this a little bit, but don't really know like what it means and how it could actually apply to us in, as women today and as yes. in our lives. Men and women are different. So from what drew I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, <laughs> probably not, but we are, it doesn't make it less true. So we are driven by different things. Our core desires are different. So for example, um, we both want to be men and women both want to be respected and loved, but the priority level is different for a man and a woman. So a man wakes up in the morning and he's asking himself, am I respectable? Am I doing my duty? Am I providing? Whereas a woman is waking up and asking herself, am I lovable? Am I worthy of being pursued? Both people want both, but it's just a higher priority. Now with society, it's kind of tried to make everything safe and palatable and make men and women the same, but we are not like a man is not a less hairy version of a woman or vice versa. And those differences are actually what creates that sexual attraction and makes our life interesting and 
fueled and passionate. So it's a beautiful thing. So I think instead of thinking of our differences as wrong, just think not wrong, just different. We are different from each other. And it's great. And to talk about that a little bit more, like sometimes I think with women, a man being very masculine can make us feel unsafe sometimes because things have been corrupted. Um, but when we actually like lean into healthy aspects of masculinity, like for example, my husband, when he watches sports, he goes nuts. He goes so crazy. And before it, it, I used to feel like I could feel inside, not at peace when that was happening. Like, am I not safe in this situation? But that's his testosterone. That's not coming out towards me. That's coming out towards the screen. So allowing him to just be himself and not try to tame him in those situations, he comes back more fueled for me. So I think recognizing and appreciating the differences versus fearing them is a big thing that we need to do. So are there certain, like, what are some of the things that you say would be more masculine or more feminine? I know you also mm -hmm. have some kind of disclaimers around mm -hmm. that too. Um, but like, what are, like, how do we know what are the things that are, I often hear like, um, divine versus toxic masculine or divine mm -hmm. versus toxic feminine. What are some of those pieces? What are some of the things that are more masculine or more feminine? Sure, yeah. So I think men have that deep desire to provide and protect when they are in a healthy form of masculinity. So there is also unhealthy forms of masculinity okay, too. Okay. So, so you refer to it as healthy, unhealthy, yeah. masculine, and feminine. I've heard like uh, divine and toxic is like, mm -hmm. but yeah, I'm sure they're kind of referring to similar things. Yeah. So when, what would you define that as healthy or unhealthy? I think when a man doesn't have a desire to provide or protect you, he's not in a healthy state. If he is, and, and I think society's made it very easy for men to just kind of like wash their hands, like let's go Dutch, let's do this. There should be a desire in him to want to take care of his family. That, that should be ingrained. And when it's not there, there's a problem. Something has happened along the way to interrupt that. I also think sometimes women are the problem because now we see his desire to want to take care of us as infringing on our independence. An example I'll give you, my husband would always carry our groceries and we would, oops, sorry, we would walk from one place to the other from our home. It was only about 10 minutes away and he would have about 10 bags. And I'd be like, let me just, let me just take one. Like, let me help you. He's like, no, I'm fine. And he wouldn't talk because he would be carrying it and sweating, trying to get home. But for him, it was such a deep desire to take care of me in that way. And it was more fuel for him to actually do that than me to take some bags and lighten the load. So understanding that we have these different core needs there. And now when we go grocery shopping, I just relax. I don't reach for the bag. And I actually enjoy that this is his way to love on me. And this is a, a form of his love language towards me. Did you guys get this awareness through some really good conversations? Yes. Like, uh, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. how, how did that come to light? Because I think you're mm -hmm. touching on, and what I think is really important to kind of pull out here is mm -hmm. the idea or the the reality that it's some it's somebody's core need yeah and his core desire yes and then you're honoring that right yeah. and that's the important piece so how did you I guess learn that it was his how did he did he always have mm -hmm. this awareness do you like how did that all transpire for you guys to navigate that 
dating him was very interesting because right away I saw some differences from, I could look back at it now looking at healthy, like he was a healthy relationship versus unhealthy relationships. And with men before I found like I was having to do things that felt unnatural to me. And that should have been a red flag. So some of those things that feel really unnatural, women need to pay attention to where they're showing up more in the relationship than he is. But with him, he was very, right from the get go, he wanted to make sure that I got home safe. He wanted to check on me and it would go to the point of taking him an hour out of his way sometimes to make sure that I would be home safe and he could have peace with that. So recognizing those things. And then also some of like some kind of trial and error, like I would try and grab those bags and then I would realize it would cause conflict. And then once I started letting go of that, I paid attention to how it felt in my own body. And once I kind of released that feeling like, Oh, I need to be doing this too. It was peaceful and it was nice and relaxing and he was happy. So some trial and error and a lot of reflection. Mm. Yeah. So amazing. I think that is, um, I mean, that's like the, probably I'd be part of like what I do. And I know mm-hmm. what you do too, through different lenses is paying attention to those red flags, paying yeah. attention to things that are, are not working for us yes. and being able to explore that. And I love how, I love how you guys have navigated that Yeah, and you're already making me be like, Oh, maybe I don't need to help out with the bags. Cause I totally help mm-hmm. out with the bags. I'm like, and I, I, I grew up, um, in, in, Full disclaimer, I am a chronic overpacker. Like, I'm currently yeah. packing right now for trips. And it is, it's going to be intense. It's going to be a lot of stuff. I always have a lot of stuff. It's, it is a bone of contention in our relationship. Okay. Um, but I was always taught as a girl guide, make sure you always carry what you – or you, you carry what you pack. Or yeah. you pack what you can carry. Yes. And so I've like always had that in my mind that if I'm going to bring a lot of stuff, I have to carry all that stuff. And yes. that's probably translated to many other parts of that I just have to carry it myself. Yeah. It's just really interesting. Okay, I felt the same way. I did, and I grew up in a home where that was like my dad wouldn't carry bags. Now he carries my bags, which is interesting. So as I have changed and not felt like I need to do everything and kind of prove my value or prove how strong I am, he stepped up more. He's opening doors and doing things that I never thought he would have the desire to do. Now he has a space to do, and he's doing that for me. He's doing that for my mom. It's different. No, yeah. how do you? I how what has the work been for you to be on the receiving end of this and to have it feel nurturing and empowering versus what I think a lot of people mm-hmm. may feel, which could be disempowering, mm-hmm. having to feel like someone's having to take care of you. Yes. So I mean, like, oh, has there been any personal work you've had to do around that? I, I think a lot of it has been looking at the messages that I was given and starting to actually detangle them and think what messages are serving me and what feel good or what have been almost force fed down my throat. And I've had this fake sense of empowerment because it's a really beautiful thing when somebody wants to take care of you in different ways. And I guess the flip side of that is I also take care of my husband in other ways. So I know what, where he feels loved. And as a woman, there's only, there's certain ways that only I can give him love that he couldn't receive from another guy. So knowing that we provide it in different ways and we both feel it in different ways. What are some of the ways that you provide love? Space. 
peace for him. I hold the bucket a lot to let him just talk through his stuff. And with men, I I think more men are starting to have conversations with each other, but there's a different type of conversation that can happen between a man and his wife or a man and his partner and just allowing him to go through all those pathways of his brain and just let him feel like he has the safety and the peace to just speak. So that's one aspect. Also physically, he is like, you know, each other's love language. And I know that even just like rubbing his arm is huge for him. Those little things um, are big deals. Remembering his gifts are another love language for him. And I will remember something that's important and then leave it in the house for him when he comes home. So little things that speak to him where he wouldn't really think about those things. Like he'll program it in his phone to remind himself to buy me flowers. But as a woman, you think about those little things. That's so beautiful. So beautiful. Um, it's such a good, yeah. such a yeah. good practice, a, a book and quiz to do. And I, I, I feel like it's affected so many relationships in a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing here with the femininity project and speaking power into femininity, I think yeah. it's bringing another layer to that. Um, so good. So, um, maybe I'll just ask one more kind of probing question around like, why do you think polarity is essential in a relationship? What? If you want to have attraction, you need polarity. Why? Be, think about it. It's like a roommate. If everybody starts to look the same and act the same, there's nothing interesting. You need heat in a relationship. We would talk about this in dancing. So, for example, rumbo is a very romantic dance. But you would never want to dance fully just sappy you'd have some moments where it'd be fire and then some moments where it's like I don't want you I do want you there has to be that back and forth to create interest and especially between a man and woman that that polarity needs to happen or else it's just Netflix and chill for the rest of your life like but not the good Netflix and chill not the good Netflix and chill (laughs) (laughs) like you want some of those nights but you also want passionate lovemaking nights Mm -hmm. and it's very hard to have those if it's the same all the time so this is so interesting because we mm-hmm. talked about, we opened this conversation around how women, we probably want and need more peace in our lives, mm-hmm. but we also need some of that like polarity and yes. I, I want to say drama or flair or maybe drama is the wrong word, but like novelty, yep. excitement, passion. It's just so interesting, I guess, how we need these polarities even just in life, right? Yep. We want the peace in, in most of the places that we can have the spice and mm-hmm. the drama in the other arenas, right? Yep. And I'm also guessing when you talk about like the polarity, the needing the differences, it's obviously got to be in certain areas because yes. if you have this polarity in every area, that's just really not going to work. Or if you have it, for example, I'm just making it like, for example, if one person um, is constantly spending money and another person always wanting to see, but yes. I could feel that being a very like, that may not be that may not be the kind of thing that turns you on in the bedroom. <laughs> yes. That, that kind of polarity, right? Or some people, people like the house super neat and tidy and the person messes it up. Like that polarity is probably not sexy. Yeah. So what, where does that fit? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what is the sexy polarity that keeps <laughs> us together, that attracts us, keeps it going? And what is the polarity that destroys, that destroys our, yeah. That yeah. just makes us be like, why am I even with this person? This is not, this is taking away my peace. And yes. peace is what we important too values. You need to be aligned on your values. So that is where you don't want 
polarity. So you need to talk through those things and your deal breakers too. I think that's one thing that a lot of people are getting married right now and they're not talking about some of the really important issues like how you do money. Do you want children? Those things. And they wait until they're in the relationship to talk about it. So you need to get clear on that worldview. All of that should be discussed and on a similar page. Now, if one of you is an extrovert and one of you is an introvert or somebody finds this funny, somebody doesn't find that funny, those are places where you can have polarity in the, in the fun aspects, mm. not on the core issues. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And I mean, I, I say this kind of facetiously, but like, even like, I'm definitely more of a spender than my husband. Yeah. But like we have some alignment in terms of like some core values around money. Yes. Um, and so I think that also works because I'm not afraid to like, book the date night and make that happen. Exactly. Whereas he probably would just say, I'm a Netflix and chill. Yeah. <laughs> so you keep it spicy. He keeps it safe. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, totally. yeah, absolutely. Ah, very cool. Right? I like Polarity. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I love how you, you discern that too, because I, there is some things that we would need to be safe and to have peace and something yeah. that need to be stable and other things that need to be spicy or we fall asleep. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So what are some of the benefits of tapping into femininity? And I, I know I get a sense anyways, that this has been a bit of a journey for you. So mm. what are some of the things you've seen in your life? And what are some of the things you see in your client's life as the benefits? Because some people might mm-hmm. just be like, okay, so some better sex maybe. Like, but like what? Mm-hmm. I, think I get the sense it's a lot deeper than that. What, are, what yes. are the benefits? What's waiting for us on the other side of femininity? I think one of the big things is feeling at home in your skin. So ha- it always goes back to that peaceful element for women. So most of my clients, when they come to me, they already, they start by telling me what they think they need to be. And usually it's messaging that they've got from their parents or how they've learned to interact at work, what they thought they needed to do to get the career that they want. And as we unpeel that, the way that they show up at work changes and the people at work treat them differently and they enjoy that. So when they're at home in their skin, instead of acting like a man, which is a lot of the messaging that women get to have a good career, when they're feminine at work, all their coworkers, male and female, treat them differently treat them with more respect, go out of their way to help them in a way that they didn't feel compelled to before. Femininity is like lifeblood to people around you. So when a woman's in that element, she, she feeds everybody around her. I want to ask a clarifying question around this because, and like full disclosure, Yes. I worked in a very male dominated environment. Yeah. Um, and I, up until about a month ago, I had a book on my shelf literally called nice girls don't get the corner office mm. and I got rid of the book yeah <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> for many reasons but um one of the things in there was literally talking about how women have this tendency to literally feed people how a woman can get fall into this tendency or this I guess the space of always being the one to bring like Friday muffins or Friday mm-hmm. lunches and like quite literally feed everybody in the office and yes. how that detracts from her power yeah what are your thoughts, perception on that? I know that's mm-hmm. a really specific question, but I feel like it's yes. so top of mind because I just got rid of the book. Okay. So we can go back to the word nice after because I think we oh, can talk other. about that one. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. When I talk about it's the lifeblood to other people, it's not by your actions of what you're doing for them. It's simply by you being there. So the energy around you feeds people. 
So it's not like bring the muffin. No, it's not bring the muffin. (laughs) But that could be somebody's love language. It could be an active service that they like doing that. But if they're doing it from a like a weakened state where they are not confident. Like they're expected. Exactly. Women in the office, they should be the ones bringing the muffin. Yes. Yeah. That's boundaries too. Establishing the right boundaries, and that only comes from you knowing the clarity of how you want to show up. Yeah, I love that. See, and I mean, I I don't. I joke about getting rid of the book. It was just, I'm yeah. not going to get one off, so I, I took that away. But, um, but I'm sure yeah. there were some legitimate pieces in there yeah. um, around, because I think women probably for a long time, if you think about, I've never watched Mad Men, but we were yeah. chatting about it. Like I, there was obviously a lack of boundaries in some yes. of those kind of initial when women entered the workforce. So there's probably been a bit of like pushback yeah. the other way. And I think now we're in this season of maybe rebalancing that and figuring out how do we, how are we authentic to ourselves? Okay. And, and how does that show up? And what's the energy we're bringing to a situation as opposed to just relying on expectations, other people's yes. or, or our own that we put on. What other benefits do you see? Like, do you, so when a woman is in her femininity, how does her relationship change? How, mm-hmm. how d- does their office change or the work change? Yeah. Like, do you see women getting less promotions, more promotions, taking more time off, less time off. Like mm-hmm. what do you, what do you kind of see as some of those? What about for a business owner? Like, yeah. Tell me all the things. It's interesting because I think it happens in stages. So you kind of go one level, it sits for a while and you go further. So I'll give you an example of one of my clients who's a lawyer. I started working with her last January. She's in a relationship where when I asked her about it, she was like, basically he'll do. That was kind of the, the state of it. She didn't like the life that she had created. A lot of her friends who were also lawyers were very aggressive and she felt like when they got together, they were just kind of toxic. Um, So there was a lot of stuff in her life that she didn't feel great about, but she said she was running on autopilot. Like she'd go into those situations and she would just act on a certain way. So we started working together. We worked on kind of like the basic stuff first. We talked about her body language. We talked about her tonality. We worked a bit on her style. And then she came back to me six months later. She had quit her job. She's starting a foundation. She's leaving the relationship. And now she's wanting to dive deeper into having a more polarity-based relationship because just like that'll do isn't doing it anymore for her. So yeah, which is quite cool. So I, I think one of the biggest benefits is you start to define your life on your terms and you're not just trying to fit into these different structures, which have been designed for a man, like even cycle wise, we're, we're completely different. So this work starts to lead you into looking into what's actually going to fuel you and give you a passionate life. Mm, I love that. Yeah, yeah. The cycle thing. That's a whole other episode as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Just how our, our society is not set up for yes. so much of what women need. It's set up for what men need and how men operate. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. I love this. So let's talk about energy. Mm-hmm. Um, cause from what I've heard you describe, it is a misconception to think that certain things are masculine and certain things are feminine. Um, you know, for example, that like career is not feminine or competitive is not feminine yeah. or strong. Um, and that kind of ties into the not so subtle indication that femininity is actually weak. Yes. So what do you say about that and how do you view the different traits? Tell me your story there. Yeah. So I don't subscribe to 
the view that men or women have a monopoly on certain traits. I think we all have all of them. The expression of them is different. So you've, you've seen a man be strong and you've seen a woman be strong. It's oh, yes, giving, right? Giving birth. Exactly. Breastfeed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think when it gets tricky is when we try to imitate the other the way that other person does it. So for example, like we talked about when women try to act like a man to get something, but women can be competitive and still be in their femininity and get results. I had this with my competitive career. So as a dancer, I wanted, I I took it to a world class level. And so I needed to be competitive, but I saw differences between some of my friends who were competing as well, where they would get aggressive and they would take it in a more masculine way versus I tried to constantly still pour into my femininity and think about how do I feel as I'm going to this competition? How can I still feel feminine as I'm prepping for this and not get into this like task mode, which is a little bit more masculine. Women are more in tune with feeling and being present where men can kind of shut that off and just like get what needs to be done. When a woman goes into that place where they shut off their their presence, that's a dangerous place to be. But don't you feel like that's where most women are living? I yes, yes, I do. <laughs> I feel like even in my own life, yeah. I really have to consciously pull that back. Yeah, um, because I think our society has programmed us so much to just like put aside everything else and how you're feeling and just get it done. And that's what we reward is the task rabbit, the, yeah. the getting it done, the consistent, the workhorse, that piece. So what did that actually look like for you training and competing as a world-class dancer? Mm-hmm. How did you show up differently than perhaps your friends that competed who brought the competition from a more masculine perspective? Like what did that look like? Did that mm-hmm. mean that you gave yourself permission to nap when you wanted to? In some situations, exactly that. So I... It's always about the naps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I have a very strong work ethic. So in competitive dancing, you always have people who are telling you, you need to do more of this, you need to do that. And for example, I had one coach who I would say was a little bit more in her masculine energy. And I remember I was training for a competition. I had already been doing 9 to 11 every day. And I knew I was ready. And like so 9 a.m. to yeah. p.m. Yeah. So I would train from nine to one. I teach till 10 and then I train after work. So it was going, I was going hard and it was the end of the week. And I knew I needed to get up the next morning nice and early. And she's like, you need to stay and you need to practice. You need to stay longer. And I told her, no, like, I'm done. And she's like, well, you don't want this enough. Then it's like, no, I know I want this. I know I've prepared and I need to rest. So not allowing other people's voices is sometimes what that can look like in those situations. Wow. That's such a, those words, like that is exactly what we've been programmed into ourselves. And I feel like a lot of women, I'm sure everybody, but women in this conversation probably struggle with that idea. I think about like the whole hustle culture and girl bossing, yeah. which I, I, I identify in many ways as, as a girl boss or yeah. boss babe and all those things. Um, but it's just, it's so interesting because that narrative, what you just said there, like you obviously don't want this enough. Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to like lose every, yes. everything else for the sake of winning. That's not really a winning conversation, is it? No. <laughs> and that's her own stuff. So recognizing it's somebody else's triggers or somebody else's belief system, when you know your own belief system and you know what you've done, 
other people don't have so much sway over your life. I'm going to peel that back one more layer because I have a feeling that a lot of people haven't even had the chance to explore and create their own belief system around that. Yes. Like I would think that, um, people would just accept that as fact. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that you're, it's true that I just need to give it all and I must not want it bad enough Mm -hmm. if I'm not willing to stay up. Yeah. And people probably don't see that there's a way that there may be different perspectives and maybe other ways to win. Yeah. So I think it's even deeper than like, um, than having your own beliefs and standing up for them. I think, we've been so programmed and Mm -hmm. haven't even had the opportunity to create a different belief system or find a different way of being. We're so trapped still in that old paradigm of you've got to leave it all on the table. Um, Mm -hmm. so how did you do in the competition? Great. (laughs) (laughs) I was ready and there's different paths to success. So I think when somebody is giving you advice, look at their life and look at what specific thing they're giving you advice about. Is it worth taking that advice? Is it right? Yes. Yes. I used to always say, don't take advice from someone you aren't willing to trade places with. It's, that's great advice. Yeah. 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 So good. Uh, amazing. So, okay. So if we don't see it as men or women having the monopoly on certain traits, Mm -hmm. how do you see it? And can you even speak to some of the harm that you've seen that happens when we label certain traits as masculine or as feminine? Yeah, so I I saw this a lot in the dance world. There was a lot of men who were more creative and more sensitive, and a lot of those men would teach women. So they were teachers as well. So they they were around women a lot. Um, Some of them were straight, some of them were gay. But a lot of those guys who were straight, if they were told like, oh, you're sensitive, like you're such a feminine guy, how harmful that would be on them and how it would make them question things where it's just, no, you're a sensitive man. It doesn't take away from your masculinity to be sensitive. And same thing with women. Like you're a competitive woman. It doesn't make you masculine because you have this strong drive. So those types of messaging can can rip somebody apart, especially if they haven't built up that self-esteem. It's, yeah, very harmful. So how do you, like, how does that get balanced out? Mm-hmm. Like, how does, um, you know, how do you know, for example, that your partner, your husband, in your in your case, mm-hmm. that he wants to take care of you? Um, I don't like, is, is it easier for him to kind of own that because it's maybe perhaps more of a traditional masculine trait? Mm-hmm. Like, if he was the one, for example, that if he was really sensitive and he held the bucket for you, mm-hmm. what would that, what dynamic would that change in your relationship? Well, I think, I think he does do that in a certain way. But for example, like with men, when they listen, they usually listen for what's the point or what's the problem. Yeah, Whereas I solve it. exactly where women that that's just a, a prime example of how we're different. Women talk to connect with each other, not necessarily to solve. I feel like it too, uh, I don't know what's the word to say, but to ignore that that actually happens is in a way crazy because we see it all the time. So just pretending it doesn't happen doesn't make sense to me. So when he listens to me, sometimes I'll have to tell him like, okay, this one's not a point or problem one. I just need you to hold the bucket. And then other times I'll go to him and I was like, okay, I need you to help me solve this. So approaching it from different ways and understanding we're different and giving each other the disclaimer sometimes when you need them to show up in a little bit of a different way. Oh, so good. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I see that so much. Yes, yeah. yes. 
So it's about honoring the differences, respecting the differences in ourselves and in others and about being able to clearly communicate what we need as well. And what, yeah. Oh, so good. That's just one of the things I really love about, um, we're having the podcast about getting to talk to people like you and about your work. It's so interesting because I was just, the last episode of it recorded was with Jamie Bell about contracts. Okay. And like, I epically dropped, I I was going to be a lawyer and did not go ahead and do that for many reasons. But it was so, and I find it so fascinating because there's just common threads, even talking about contracts or here talking about femininity, Mm -hmm. like there's just such common threads, um, and truths in life and what we all need right now to operate. And so I really value that about this conversation about how Mm -hmm. like, there's just so many little nuggets that we can pull out and take, um, whether the words femininity resonate with us, whether that's something we need to work through to become more comfortable with or, or not. Um, but what you're sharing is just, it's, it's great. Thank you. So let's go somewhere. Let's talk about the fact that women, mother, femininity, these can be really polarizing words these days. I'm not mm-hmm. saying polarizing. I'm not saying polarizing isn't attractive and sexy. Yeah. <laughs> polarizing is in like cancel culture and yes, potentially, um, very, very, very triggering and activating for people. So, um, and I think, you know, you said that you don't think that we're craving the old fashioned idea of femininity. Mm-hmm. So what do you think we're craving and why do you think these things have become so polarizing? I think women are craving not to be put in a box. So all of these are labels, right? And women are very good at contorting themselves into something until they're not anymore, until they burn out, until they get sick. So recognizing whatever label it was, whether that's more like a traditional wife or a boss babe, you can take elements. You don't have to identify with everything that that label currently says, You can be a stay-at-home mom and you can have a career on the side. It's that label. Like it's the label. That's the big problem is, and when women hear things, they try and fit themselves into the label and it's suffocating. So when they can break free of that and start to, this is get intentional about what they want their life to look like. It's very freeing. And then on the other side of that, we talked a little bit about this before women are very oppressive towards women. So for example, like towards the traditional community, I'll hear a lot of more modern women say like, you're oppressed. Like you want to, you want to make a sandwich for your husband. If they want to make a sandwich, exactly. Well, if they want to make the sandwich for him and if that's their way to show love and they crave it, who are we to say that's not femininity to them? That's not being the most beautiful expression of womanhood to them. And same thing the other way, if they want to have a career, you're not not taking care of your family. You're taking care of your family in a different way. So that I feel like women are attacked on from society and then they attack each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. We got to quit it. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. A thousand percent. Yeah. I always find that really interesting because I think um, we try and attach labels I mean, to everything. And a part of it is like our brain needs to attach labels to make sense of this crazy world. Yes. Um, but we think that either that an action says that somebody's either empowered or oppressed mm-hmm. or they're good or they're bad or they're acting out of love or they're acting out of fear. Yes. Um, and the truth is that you never know. You can't tell yeah. from someone's action yes. what their energy is coming from it. And so there is there you're right. Like you could be creating the sandwich 
making the sandwiches for everybody because you feel like that's what you have to, and that's the box that you've been put in. You feel confined and I don't yes. know, stifled in this box, or you could be doing it because you love it and you love thinking about what kind of flavors your partner might love. I don't, exactly. I'm not trying to because I don't love making the sandwiches, but I feel like, hey, if somebody loves it, like I have no, like, yeah, yeah, all the power to you. Um, and also vice versa, like the career could be something that is, that you love, that that woman loves and feels empowered and feels like she is, yeah, giving back to her family and inspiring her kids and, yeah. and able to pull, fill her cup to then fill, have that overflow to her family. Or it could be something that she feels like she grew up in this, like, you have to do it. It's, a, yes. it's just another box to fit into. So I do find it really interesting. Um, I mean, it's like the whole, so much of what we see in the world and then the narrative of like good or bad or pro or anti yeah. or um, left or right. It's just, it's so interesting because there isn't, it's just an illusion. Yes. And it's, you have to go deeper than that. And I think a lot of people don't know how to do that. And you maybe don't even know that for themselves and yes. you're starting to pick up on that. But that's the value, I think, of a really good coach mm-hmm. and really why our awareness is so important is because a good coach can help you discern whether you're doing these things because it light, lightens you up or because you're, Expectations yeah, you're still trying to fit into this box. Yes. And some of those things are what's right at what time in your life too, because that's another thing that I think women have a hard time with is when their priorities switch. They feel like they're betraying themselves. And that is why it's so important to, like we talked about goals, like you check your goals every 100 days, right? Yes. yes. So, yeah. So, exactly. So, you go to your femininity every 100 days and check in. Is this still serving me? Or am I just doing this because this is what I've always done? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, a thousand percent. I mean, that really changes. I can think about that, like from becoming a mother, Mm -hmm. like the things that made me feel feminine before versus afterwards. Like I never imagined myself when I first had my baby, like I was ready to, I I thought I'd be ready to take calls within four to six weeks. Yeah. And like the eight week mark hit. And at the time, my daughter all of a sudden out of nowhere refused to take a bottle and I couldn't take calls. Mm. And I think energetically, and this is like going, you know, deep and spiritual. So I'm going to take it or leave it, but I know, um, that, for myself, I wasn't ready to go back to work. Yeah. And I also wasn't ready to admit that out loud. Mm. And so I feel like my baby picked up on that and I all of a sudden couldn't leave her. And it was like, oh, shucks. I uh, guess I can't. Wow. I guess I can't have my calls because uh, yeah. maybe we'll, she won't take a bottle. And it wasn't really for like a couple of weeks afterwards that I realized, aha, I was not ready. Mm. And I wasn't ready to admit that out loud. Um, and so my baby kind of picked up on that energy and helped make oh, it so right. I couldn't take those clients. That's um, beautiful. It, yeah, 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 and of course that's changed now. I yep. like I'm, I, I adore her, I love her, um, but I'm really excited to drop her off at daycare and have these conversations <laughs> again. You know, um, yep. so it, yeah, I think those those seasons do change, and it's yeah, I think that's okay too. And I think that's the other thing that's um, really liberating about leaving the box and leaving the labels is that you mm-hmm. can pick pieces of it. So like, I was a bit of a stay at home mom for the first like two years while we tried to find daycare, and I enjoyed yes. a lot of those moments. And now I get to do a little bit more career and. Um, I get to be a little bit of a crunchy mom and I get to be a little bit of like a, you know, all, yeah. all of the things, um, and not just one label. Yeah. Yes. I hope, I hope women hearing this are able to first like awareness of what box you might be putting yourself in. Yes. Or feel like you're stuck in and remember that it's, it's more of a buffet. Yes. And then like a a la carte, you can only pick one menu and you got to exactly. for the rest of the evening. Like, Explore down. it. Yeah. See what you're attracted to. Totally. Okay. Do you get any hate for your work? I feel mm. like we live in a world of 
Yes. Cancel culture. Tell me about this. This is a tricky subject because I think people are, the word femininity is triggering for people. The word even woman is triggering for people right now. So everyone is trying to navigate that. And so the hate that I've gotten has usually been from people who haven't, haven't been around and actually understand what my mission is, is that women get out of the box and they think about what their own femininity project looks like, not trying to shove them into another box. So that's often what I'll hear. But when people stick around long enough, that usually changes and you can see them soften. So it's whether they stick around. How do you know they soften? Well, I've, I've had somebody who actually told me they started following me and (laughs) they told me they follow me for a year. And after a year, she wrote me and she said, when I first saw you, I hated you. And I was just watching kind of like hoping to see you fail with what you were doing. And then she said, after a while, I started listening to your messaging and started to feel something. And then after a year, she said, what you said rang true. And I started to notice walls in my life drop. And she's been around ever since. So it's great if they can, if they can stay and hear it because I think it's a very important message for women to hear. Um, but it is triggering. Women are, are triggered right now. Sarah, I love that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. I think that is, I, I want to bring more awareness to like the amount of like, just hate mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and also like normal, like I don't want to normalize people behaving in ways that are yes. not, not conscious and not, not loving, not grounded. Um, but I also want to normalize like surviving these experiences and being able to stand in your truth in the times when people don't see it, don't agree with you, maybe have unkind words or sentiments for you. I really think we need to normalize surviving that and thriving through it and having it be a thing that may or may not trigger you. Um, but that you can still stand in, in your authenticity because I feel like, part of the reason why the word woman is so triggering and part of the reason why these, um, these conversations are so triggering is, I think comes out of a kind place because we don't want to hurt other people. We're mm-hmm. afraid of offending other people because we're afraid it might be triggering to them. And so I do think that there's a lot of power in what we're sharing here on so many levels. Here. Yes. And in particular, what I wanted to highlight here is just the idea that like, it's okay to stand in your truth and it's okay to stand in what, what feels good for you. It's okay to nurture and explore what your truth is and your authenticity is, even if, and not everybody gets it. Yes. It doesn't have to be for everybody. Yes. Some people may never come around and some people will come around. And, and I think as a, as coaches, we're actually like the medicine where that's our job is to yes. show people some of their triggers and to help people move through that, mm-hmm. whether they're willing to stick around long enough on social media or not is a different story. Um, that's why one-on-one coaching is, or like an actual like coaching relationship is so much more powerful than simply just following along on, on social media. Um, but I, yeah, thank you for normalizing and thank you for being brave mm-hmm. in doing the work that you do, despite the fact that not everybody gets it. Yeah. Despite the fact you. that you trigger people Um, and thanks for sharing that. I should say there's so much more love than the hate. So I think sometimes like we blow up the hate. There is a lot of that, but there's way more love and yeah. So I think we need to acknowledge that too, that there's a lot of good. Let's 
out there. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I had to come to this realization. I don't know. The last couple years has been a bit of a blur, but like at some point over the last like year and a bit, my like dark night of the soul Mm -hmm. acknowledgement that, um, let's say I even post something relatively innocuous, maybe not these days, but, um, something is like got up early, having a, you know, got my workout in, hope you have a good day too. That like, that might inspire 99 people to get up and get a workout in and have a good day. And it might make one person feel worse about their morning because they didn't do a workout. It might make them feel bad. Yes. And I've had to like kind of reconcile with that idea that like, it's not going to be for everybody. Not everything that I share is going to be for everybody. Even something like, or I might share a picture of my daughter and 99 people might really smile and love that. And one person might be really sad because maybe they, they just had a miscarriage or maybe yes. they're, they're having a tough day or maybe, or maybe they're having a, they have a difficult relationship with their child and it's hard to see a happy child somewhere else. Um, and so I think we all have to kind of come to terms with that yeah. reality that like life is complicated. Life is nuanced. Um, every, you know, even the most beautiful things that we do in life can potentially be, be sad for somebody or be, be hurtful for somebody in, depending on where, what state they're in and nothing is for everyone. And I think we do have to get comfortable in like the, and again, this is not about like intentionally being a butthole. It's not yes. intentionally about causing harm or inciting like violence or hurtful yes. or hate or fear or any of this. It's not about inciting any of that because those are some pretty clear boundaries that I, I feel. Yes. Um, but it is about like if, if we're showing up in our authentic state, in our presence, if we're mm-hmm. sharing things that we genuinely believe will help. And it's genuinely helping a lot of people. We're getting a lot of love for it and, and it's serving that there are going to be people that it may not serve and that kind of have to come to peace with that. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And I think people also need to be responsible for themselves. So often we look at somebody like they're the guru and they're our ultimate source of happiness that that can never be. We're always going to have some polarizing views on different topics. So for example, like if somebody's going through something sad at the time, or maybe going through a miscarriage or something really heartbreaking, you can turn off your notifications. You don't need to follow that person at that season. And when you're getting through it, maybe you can come back to it. But we can't make that other person wrong for sharing the joy that's in their life as well. Because I think women, this is something that we often do is we dim ourselves to make other people comfortable. And that's really difficult. And that's going to eat away at your soul. And it doesn't serve anybody. It just... It makes you palatable, unsticky, vanilla, and you don't feel good. You don't inspire anybody else. So you need to be bold in what you believe in and understand not everybody is going to feel the same way you do all the time. And that is okay. You don't need to apologize for your existence. Oh, so good. As somebody who has dimmed my light and apologized too many times, Mm. I really appreciate you saying that. Mm. Thank you. You're shining now. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. A couple years of polish. <laughs> like 30 seconds, hopefully. I'm still polishing every day. <laughs> All right. So now let's talk about uh, some of the, like, the more tactics. Um, yes. Tell me about the framework of femininity that you work with. Yeah. So it's a blueprint I have, and it's three steps. So we start with the vision, and that's where we get intentional about 
what your femininity project looks like. And we start here, but it continues through the other steps because sometimes women don't know what's even possible for themselves when we start this work. And then the next thing we do is we build in rituals. So this is systems that we set in place so that femininity doesn't become something that you just put on and feel like it's a character, but you actually have things that are constantly pouring into and nourishing. It's like your vitamins. And then the third step is we up-level your toolbox. And that can get more specific depending on what goals each woman has. So we elevate those skill sets. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So the first step, the visioning, is that... um like pick, picking people that you resonate with in terms of femininity it, or what your is it creating your own definition of femininity? Like what is that stage? I ask them, how do you want to look? How do you want to feel? And how do you want to show up? And then we start there. So we get like kind of a, a, a rough sketch of what that looks like. And then we dive deeper into what those words are. So for example, somebody could say, I want to feel sexy, but sexy could feel very different everybody has a different definition. So then we start peeling that back. Okay. What would that feel like? What would make you feel sexy? Is that, is that the bubbly girl for you? Or is that the more seductive, mysterious one? Okay. What skills do we need to implement that into your life? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. It's fun. (laughs) Beautiful. Um, so what are some of the essentials of femininity? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think I divide it in two buckets. There's essentials and there's liberties. So essentials are the things that no matter what type of woman I've worked with over the last 20 years, these always make her feel more beautiful, more confident. And I think every woman needs to be taught these things. And so that's their body language. Body language opens doors for you. So you are communicating within four seconds, somebody makes an impression, a nonverbal first impression. If it's a bad one, it takes eight subsequent good impressions to change that. So people really need to be aware of their body language. And when you hold yourself differently, you feel differently. So that's a big one. We go over their style. I'm so conscious of my body language right now. Yeah. (laughs) You're doing good. And we talk about style. So that's another aspect of your presentation. Also feeling self-conscious about this. Right, yeah. no, don't feel self-conscious. <laughs> I love your sweater. <laughs> oh. Uh, Stand up for your sisters. Oh, I like her style. Yeah. I've got the uh, Raining Glory. I like her style. Vancouver sweater on. Stand up for your sisters. Cool. Love it. I'll share with you later afterwards. Um, yeah. Okay. So style. we get clear on their style. So what you put on also matters. If you are putting on something that you don't feel good in every day, and that's the first thing that you do every day you're starting off on a bad track. So doesn't need to be complicated. We just get specific about how you want to show up there. And then we go through rituals. And those are your morning routine, your evening routine, your weekly and your monthly routine. And so those are the systems like the vitamins that continue to pour into your femininity. If you don't have them, this will last for a short amount of time and then it'll go away. So you need to establish those things that this becomes who you are. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. R- rituals, uh, routines, habits, those are all, yeah, yes. it's so important. Um, I think with, with everything, like it's yes. consistency, right? And and integration of the things that you've learned and the things that you desire and how do you integrate those into your life? Yes. So important. Okay, so what about liberties? Yes. Tell me about liberties. Okay. You have some case studies on this too. Yes. So th- that is where I would 
the essentials are where I would start. The liberties are, for example, I'll give you that lawyer that I was talking about earlier. So we started with the essentials. Now she's come back and she wants to talk about how she relates to men, how to attract a partner. So these are, if you want to go deeper into that, we can go deeper into those things. Um, a lot of women will come to me and they'll have an idea of a woman that they admire, but not necessarily who they think they could ever draw anything from. And a lot of them would be like Angelina Jolie or Penelope Cruz. And we'll start to break down, okay, what type of woman are you attracted to? What elements are you attracted to about her? And let's show you how you can get those things. What is she doing that's making her look so mysterious? Because there's lots of things that break it down. And they're tools that every woman can learn if she wants to. So how, how do you discern, like, is this... I mean, I guess this is probably part of the coaching yeah. expertise and in your own intuition, your own guidance. But I imagine there's also some discernment that has to happen so that women don't just swap box A for box B. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not just swapping the girl next door, nice girl box yes. for the sexy, mysterious box or vice versa, right? Yes. So how do you make sure that those are aligned and conscious decisions that are being made about what elements to draw on yeah. versus just like, same box, new packaging. It's a temperature check because say, well, we'll use your example, the girl next door versus like the siren. Totally. I went, I just went like total opposite. Thing. Yeah. So if the girl, like housewife, career, career woman, like mm -hmm. you know, opposites, we take a little bit and we see how she reacts to it. So for example, like the girl next door who wants to feel more like the bombshell, it could be just teaching her how to cross her legs and feel her skin. And that could give her all the things she needs to feel sexy in that moment. So okay, <laughs> okay. Is so everybody right now like trying to cross? Like, like, I'm like, okay, what am I feeling here? Okay. There's a technique. Okay, all right. Yep. I feel like we need a video with this. Now. Yeah, we can okay. do that. Legs. It's one of the things that actually like makes women feel the most sexy on dates, and it's something that you can do and they don't even notice. Is it just crossing our legs, or is there a certain way? There's a certain way. I feel like you got to tell me now. It's a massage. So if you, I'll try and describe this so that they can do it too. So if you have both your feet on the ground, mm -hmm. most women will throw their leg over and do this big kind of jump to cross their legs. Now instead, take the inside leg and massage it up, do a small cross, and then massage it down. And then the same way when you come out, massage it up, across, and down. And what you're doing is you're just activating your senses. It also helps you. If you're nervous on a date and you want to get present, touch is the loudest sense and the biggest interruption. So little, little tip for you to try. I love that. I just yeah. a little video of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to drop it in the show notes there too. So fun. Okay. Yeah. I mean, even just there, I was like, okay, I just did another cross and I had the big leg lift, yes. but you're just doing like this little. That's it. Yeah. Massage. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like my hips are too tight for this, which is also. It will change. So body language stuff often, even this one within a week of doing that, you will feel very different. Okay. Yeah. All right. New mission every day. Yeah. <laughs> Cross my legs for a week and a little differently. Give myself a leg massage and see how it goes. I love yep. that. Very, very, very cool. Um, are there any other kind of rituals that you like, I love that little quick tip about the, yeah. the leg. Like, are there any other rituals that you find are really powerful with mm -hmm. your own life or your clients' lives that really help them reconnect to femininity? So I have a system. I call it the best method. So each one of those rituals, morning and evening, B is for something that makes you feel beautiful. So whether that's your skincare routine 
infuse a little femininity into that. So when I, when I get ready in the morning, I will put on French music in the background and I'll make it special. So for that 10 minutes, I'm listening to something that is eating that. The second one, E is for energy. So do something that energizes you. For different women, that'll look different. So sometimes I'll go grounding. Sometimes I'll go out in the sun, just get the sun on my face. It can be a workout. It can be a smoothie, whatever gives you energy. S is for soul. So something that pours into your soul. This could be journaling. This could, some of my clients sing, dance, something that feeds your soul. And the last one is T and that's transition. So from whatever your morning going into your daily activity, you want to have something that serves as a trigger to transition you from one role into the next. So we work on those things. We do that in the morning, in the evening. And then we try and find weekly and monthly ones. Yeah. So great. Yeah. Those are amazing examples. Thank you. I love that. Before you came this morning, I was like, I need to do something feminine. (laughs) And uh, well, I didn't do anything like different. I was like, I don't have time to do anything like, I don't know, put on my high heels and prance around the house. (laughs) So all I did was just when I was doing my skincare routine, I just like took an extra moment to smell it and like really massage it into my face, my cleanser, and just really enjoy that moment I just noticed oh this makes me feel really beautiful mm-hmm. so it's cool I did I did the B of yeah, the best awesome. so yeah I, I, I see that how I could just kind of is relatively seamlessly perhaps yes. um, weave into what we're already doing just with a different energy different different lens very cool what about in your life what is femininity how does it show up in your life like what are you some of your rituals some of your um, yeah some of the things that you're you're working through that you've so completed and the best method myself as every well. morning every night mm-hmm. uh-huh. yeah so I think about and weekly and monthly so I have certain things that pour into that I also I study Italian so that is one thing that makes me feel so beautiful when I'm speaking it and learning it and it it serves sort of the vision that I want to be and I want to be able to go to Italy and speak fluently and just feel like a local. So every time I do Italian, it's not only just a learning experience, it feel like fuels my femininity. So that's one of my favorite ones. I get my nails done. I love getting my nails done. Um, little routines that I do, earthing and taking care of my health is something that's really important to me. I sauna, that's another one. I do that a couple times a week skincare routine, all of those little things. I love it. Yeah. Uh-huh. So good. So good. I love having my nails done. I don't love getting my nails done. Okay. Oh, tell me. Okay. I hated getting my nails done. I hated it. I hated the experience. Every time I go to a nail salon, it was hot. They, it felt like we were rushed. I didn't really like what they were doing. And then I found a great nail lady and it changed the entire experience. So this is a tip. Your beauty rituals should not make you feel uncomfortable while you're doing them. If it's if that's the way, you're doing it wrong. Find a different environment. It can change the whole experience. Wow. Okay. I feel like part of it for me is I just like the time. I don't really enjoy the time of being there. Yes. So find okay. a nail lady who you enjoy talking to and have good conversations with. Okay. It'll feel Okay. Good. All right. Mm. Report back. Let me know. Okay. I will. I will. I will. I love it. Okay. Um... Let's talk about resentment. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, flip gears here a little bit. Um, smooth transition there. Yeah. Why do you think people become resentful of femininity? And mm. how can it change our life if we move through that? I think 
People become resentful when they want something that they've never been shown how to do and they think it's unattainable for them. So when women, this is part of what I teach women is that there's tools. So the things that you are attracted to that now maybe you don't like because you think you could never be the type of woman who does something, let's figure out what that type of woman is doing and break down that skill set. So I often find this with a lot of people who've grown up more in like a tomboy environment and they'll feel a certain way towards beauty. They think it's shallow. They think it's superficial, but they've never been in an environment that nurtures it or celebrates some of the beautiful aspects of it. And then we start to work on some of those things. Like we work on their body language and then they catch their reflection in the mirror and they like what they see. So it starts to change it. So with everything I say, learn the tools and then you can take it or leave it. You can see what works for you, what you like, but now you know how to do it. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love your definition of resentment too. I feel like mm-hmm. money is another one that triggers resentment yeah. too. And like, because yeah. we, we don't know how to, well, we don't know about money and there's a whole, whole yes. lot to know about money that people haven't been taught. And then they get resentful about it and then don't attract it, don't have it in their lives. And yeah, um, yeah so interesting. Love that. And I love what you said there too about permission to try things, to get some new skills and then take what works and leave what doesn't. Yes. I mean, that's just, yeah, that's your permission to do that. Um, I want to share with you one of my kind of more recent realizations around femininity and just see if you have any thoughts or insights around this. I realized this summer, so the summer... (laughs) I went to Wreck Beach by myself one night. It was, I was so excited to get down there. Super, super pumped. Um, for those that don't know, Wreck Beach is the nude beach in Vancouver and it's a whole vibe. Um, it is, um, yeah, it is. I think it's one of the most incredible places. I love it there. It is very much like anything goes. Um, yeah, it's, have you been there? No. You've never been? No. (gasps) Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely very interesting like um I personally love it because you're it, you can't see any of the city and so the beach is just spectacular you have to walk down all these stairs and and there's just when I've been down there there's people doing drum circles and there's music and there's okay. naked people selling food and it's just like <laughs> there's also um some dark sides there yeah. too you know there's uh, some people that have clearly done like too many psychedelics and are now struggling to come back and so there's, there's you know there's some dark there's some dark there too, but generally I love it. Anyways, way off topic on Rack Beach. Let's get back to where I was going with this, which was um, I went down there and I was like, I'm going to um, get down there and I'm going to get naked and just be totally liberated and feel great on this beach. And I got down there and I just like couldn't couldn't do it. And I and I instead of like judging myself like, oh Lisa, you're such a prude or what's wrong with you or forcing myself just being like, just get naked, just do it. I was like, just got really curious about what is this about and what's going on for me. And eventually I did um, take off my top mm-hmm. and went in the water. And what I realized was that I, I just don't feel safe, that I didn't feel safe as a woman by myself on the beach, half naked, fully naked, any of the, you know, any of that, those variations. Um, and I want to just be really honest. I have n- not had um, any kind of like sexual trauma mm-hmm. that would perhaps make me feel this way. So that's not part of my personal lived experience. Um, but I, 
kind of wondered. I was like, I, it feels like maybe it's like the cultural, some of the cultural stories around it have clearly still seeped into me. Yes. And it made me also go a little bit deeper. And I realized that there's actually even, a, this was obviously pretty stark. I'm by myself on a nude beach, yes. get naked, like yeah. literally. Um, but I also found myself, and when I reflected that I actually do this in my everyday life too, there are lots of things that I do very specifically unconsciously, unconsciously being the key here to try and repel men or to like make sure that it's very clear that I'm not interested in them or like to make myself unattractive to men. And I just thought that was such an, is an interesting aha that I had. It's something I'm still working through in, um, Yes. <laughs> in my spare time, just kind of one of those things that like I'm now aware of and, and picking up. Um, but yeah, I just, I wanted to, sh- to share that as something like, it's yeah. so interesting how, um, I think that some of the layers in there was definitely like safety, mm-hmm. um, the desire to be a nice girl. Like I would, I didn't want someone to come approach me and then I have to turn them down. And then like that whole dynamic, then I'm not a nice girl, yes. even though I'm not interested. Um, yeah, and I even like I went yeah, I went to the bar a couple weeks ago for my sister's bachelorette party, which I don't do very often and and like it was really uncomfortable to turn men men down. It was just like, "Hi, oh, this is why I don't even put myself in these situations." So, mm-hmm. anyways, I just Okay, there's any? a lot there. There's a lot there. <laughs> that we can talk about. So, discerning first of all, what are actually non-safe situations versus safe situations. So, I think being at the nude beach where there's people who are out of control there, that that's a good intuition that you were not feeling safe there because you were by yourself and you did see people who weren't in control of what they were doing. I think uh, that's an interesting right? point. Yeah. So I, I should say I didn't notice the people out of control till like later or till, till later on when there's, um, I don't know what the number is, like a couple hundred steps to get back up. Okay. And when I was leaving to get up the steps, there were people that could, could not exit the steps <laughs> that were, okay. that were stuck on the steps. Let's say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, but maybe, maybe intuitively I did pick up on parts of those things and maybe, maybe being alone in that situation is not the place to start. Yeah. I think women are we are often more aware of danger than men just in general. That's, that's something, but okay. I'm going to kind of detour for a second here. Take me detour. Let's go. So finding the right conclusions from things. So when you are embracing your femininity, you are going to be more magnetic. You are going to attract more people. It's the same thing. If you are successful and confident, you are going to be more magnetic. You are going to attract people. Now, the conclusion you come up with is really important. So you can either dim your success to get rid of the bad attention, but also get rid of the good attention, and you can dim your femininity to do the same thing. So that's one conclusion somebody can make. See, told you I dim my light. Okay, let's go. Yeah. (laughs) So we don't Uh, want that to be the conclusion. uh Now going to the nice word. So nice men, nice women, nobody really likes that, right? It's such an, it's such a nothing word. And I think women are often taught since they're little to be nice. Can I just like talk about this for a quick second? Heck yes on this. I notice, um, it's really interesting with my, I noticed this with my daughter and I just want to say my parents did their best. I'm sure all of our parents generally did their best with parenting, but my parents constantly use the word nice with my daughter. So they're like, sit nicely, 
play nicely, yes. uh, put this away nicely, walk nicely, mm-hmm. all these things. And I'm like, what does that mean? You're right. It is such a nothing word. I'm like, when you say to sit nicely, that doesn't actually explain what you're asking for. Explain what you're wanting. Sit on your bum, put your feet out in front of you, sit close to the table. That's what we're yeah. trying to say. But instead of those things, we use this nothing word of nice yes. and infuse it in there. Same thing with like play nicely with your toys. Well, what does that mean? It means yes. like, play gentle with them instead of smacking them on the ground or smacking it on the wall, right? Or it means um, explore all the parts of it or whatever you're trying to explain. But I, yeah, I just wanted to piggyback that in there because I see this with my daughter and then I also know like, clearly that's how I was raised. And I know if I was raised that way, I think our whole generation was raised with this idea to play nice, to sit nice, to be nice, to walk nice, to do to eat nicely. They, you know, like literally all these things. It's like, what the F does that even mean? Yes. Okay. I rant over. Means, I, th- I think what nice means is that you owe men when it's taught to women that they owe and also that they need to be quiet and not offend. So I think we need to get rid of that word. Kindness. Replace it with kindness. Teach them how to be kind and teach them how to be strong. So women should learn from when they're little, how they can set up boundaries, how if a man approaches them who they don't want to talk to, how they can actually kindly but sternly turn him away without it being a reflection of they need to dim who they are themselves. Now, because we've kind of like we're swinging from different pendulums, like thinking about the 50s, thinking about the madman era, women were very stereotypically feminine and guys could slap their asses at work and harassment was allowed to happen. So we're still triggered from that, but I also think we've now sometimes gone too far where women can, a, a man can't even compliment a woman without her going into, you can't say that to me. Like, he can't say that she's beautiful. So I think we have to be aware of the spectrum of these things. Teach women how to set boundaries, teach women that it's okay to shine and teach women how to accept a compliment and recognize a threat discern the difference between the two. Yeah. So how do we do that? So body language cues are really important just for setting boundaries. So there's blocking cues that women can do distancing cues that can repel people from them. And it's also, you can pick up on confidence. So if you go, if you just go to a bar, you can see the women that are going to be harassed by their body language. It's interesting to watch. So just how you carry yourself can change. And then when somebody comes up to you, who's pushing that line, who's on that creepy line, not just on the complimentary line, being stern saying, Nope, I don't want to have this conversation. And then leaving, not entertaining it, not apologizing like, Oh no, it's okay. Like, no, I don't want to dance right now. Or little things like that. Mitigating clear. It's okay to speak clear. It's not just okay. Speak clearly. Women need to be taught how to do that. So we say, I don't want to dance right now. Yeah. I I don't want to dance with you. Thank you. Anyways, that's it. You don't know. You don't owe any more explanation than that. Okay. Next time I go, you're coming with me. (laughs) Here I was. This is so the, in the projection, I was like, Oh, all these guys are so creepy. I'm like, Oh yeah, I definitely needed to stand in my power a little more. And I'm going to give myself a little bit of compassion because I was really sick. And so it was not like, not the moment, not the day that like I wanted to be doing this. I was, was there to support my sister and to be there to celebrate her. Um, but yeah, like clearly my energy was, was off in that situation too. So I love that. So good. Okay. I have to ask. Yes. How do you walk in heels? (laughs) (laughs) 
what what are some tips you can share uh anything you want to say about how to actually walk in heels okay so first thing it's a whole body thing so people talk about heels and they think it's just their feet it's whole body coordination so you need to learn the right body mechanics for it so that's what that's one of the things that I teach about that's your posture that's how you move your arms that's how you move your hips that's how you move your legs there's a lot of details to it it's very worth learning so women who learn this it just catapults their confidence the next thing that would just be a very quick tip is work on keeping your ankles in so most women the weakness is in their ankles so they kind of bung out to the sides you want to feel like your ankles are almost trying to kiss each other and that'll keep the energy on the the midline of your body and keep you more balanced oh my gosh so great love those awesome (laughs) tips okay um question as someone who very very specific question but it's yeah. it's burning in me so um i have like foot pain i have morton's neuroma okay and i i mean i threw the i used to wear heels all the time yes. now i almost never wear them because of the foot pain um learning to walk properly in heels does that help with foot pain or is that just kind of an inevitable it eliminates it <sighs> It eliminates it. Why doesn't my podiatrist tell me this? So <laughs> I, with my career, I would be competing four days in a row and I'd be in three and a half inch heels from nine in the morning till sometimes 10 at night competing on and off throughout that day. So I needed to both look good, but I also needed my body to work properly for me to have a long lasting career. So I really dove into not only the body language, how to make it look good, but the body mechanics, how to do this so you're not feeling pain. So when women are feeling pain in heels, it's cause something is misaligned. So we gotta, we gotta work on those misalignments. And everybody always says it's about balance. It's not just about balance. That's one of the things that you need to work on. There's so much more. Wow. Amazing. Okay. And you have your course, How to Walk in Heels, um, and you have a special code for our listeners. Yes. So your listeners can get 30% off the course and it's golden 30. I think you'll put the link. Yes. Yes. And it's going to be like G-O-A-L-D-E-N golden 30, right? Okay. We'll put that in the show notes, put a link to the course. Amazing. Um, going to go on my, on my Christmas wish list for sure. Cause I would, I have so many fabulous heels. Yeah. Oh, you gotta wear them. I gotta get back to them. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. It only takes about 30 days. You can change the way you walk and the way you present yourself within 30 days. Amazing. Amazing. I don't want to wear them like all the time yeah, because, and yeah, I love, I, you know, we walk in the city a lot and it's yes. just doesn't, yeah, it's just not for me all the time. But like sometimes I would just love to be a little bit more, be able to get back into how I used to wear them. And even if you don't want to wear heels, it'll change your walk. So it'll make you feel more feminine and change your alignment and body position. Beautiful. Even in my vessies? Yeah. Even in your vessies. <laughs> Super sexy in my vessies, which I love the vessies. Um, okay. No shade on the vessies. All right. Let's go into the rapid fire Golden okay. Girls podcast questions. So right. what is a goal that you are working on right now? So I am working on a group coaching program for Ooh, next year. Yes. So exciting. And I'm launching our YouTube channel. So those are the, the two big ones. Amazing. What's the best lesson you learned in the last year? Keep shortening your learning curve. How do you do that? Evaluate what you're doing, record your time, and then figure out your like the links that are missing to accelerate your learning curve. What's something you've accelerated your learning curve on? Learning my Italian. Oh, cool. I had that course for two and a half years. I was just like turtling through it. And then I did the majority of the course in three months once I started getting serious. So, wow. Yeah, shorten that learning curve. When are you going to Italy? Oh, hopefully this year. Ah, 
Yeah. <laughs> so exciting. So exciting. Okay. What is, I, I really want to normalize uh, changing our minds on things. Cause I think that's really, for some reason, there's like this super weird cultural expectation that we think one way and we think that way forever. And that anyone that thought yes. bad, wrong, bad thoughts or wrong thoughts in the past is needs to be canceled and all this stuff. So I want to normalize the other thing that we, we change our minds and that's okay. So what is something that you've changed your mind on? So something that I've changed my mind on is more advocating for my own health. So I've learned that through the years, uh, not just taking somebody who's in authority as the be all end all, but that I need to really investigate and that I have power in making those decisions. Oh, such a good one. Yes. I've definitely learned that lesson as well. I love that. So good. Okay. Do we put in? Poutine? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you a shredded cheese or cheese curds kind of girl? Curds. Yes. Yes. Yep. And uh, what's the best money you've ever spent? Mm-hmm. I think it's on anything that I've invested in my skill set. So, for example, my dance coaches, I, I would go to the top to accelerate. And that set me up for the career that I have now. Do you still dance today? I, we have a studio. So my husband and I also own a studio. Um, and I have a couple clients that I still work with, but I've now more just do the business aspect of it. What's the name of your studio? VS Dance Club. VS Dance Club. All right. Awesome. Oh, I'm going to have to come do a dance class. I love dancing. Um, I think I'm going to guess, I think I have an idea where you're going to say, but you know, you maybe will surprise me. Um, if you could travel anywhere in the world right now for food, mm-hmm. where would you travel and what would you eat? So I would go to Praiano in Italy to this place that my husband and I went for our anniversary. It was on the second floor. The sun sets there and it's just all fresh Italian food. Mm. It's delicious. Delicious. Okay. And where can people find you and stay in touch? So at the Femininity Project Inc. on Instagram and same thing for the website, thefemininityprojectinc.com. Beautiful. Oh. YouTube coming soon. Yeah. Okay. When you have your YouTube channel up, we will put the link in the show notes um, and people can find that. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having this conversation. I know it's been a long time in the making. I really appreciate your graciousness. I appreciate your openness to this conversation and for just being a real genuine, beautiful, big hearted person that we could open this up with. So thank you. Thank you. I love this conversation chatting with you. Friend, I hope this episode opened your eyes and your heart. I hope you feel confident in being able to use femininity as your superpower and you have some ideas and tools for integrating femininity into your life to nourish you, to nurture you, and to allow you to live a life that's defined by you authentically. Huge thank you to Sarah for being here and for her sharing that special code just for our listeners. So if you want to check out her How to Walk in Heels course, you can get 30% off using the code GOLDEN30. We'll make sure all that's in the show notes. I'm so grateful to Sarah for that and thank you to you for being here. Now, I one of my goals is to grow this podcast and one of the best ways to do that is word of mouth. Please be sure to share this episode with a friend, a family member, or anyone who you think might be interested in this topic. Give you a little hint here. If you have a book club or a wine club or a mastermind where you've got other women also interested in personal growth, this would be an awesome show, an episode to share with them and perhaps have a discussion about and see what resonates and what doesn't and what you might want to integrate into your life. 
Remember, word of mouth is one of the best ways we grow. And so I thank you humbly for continuing to listen, for sharing feedback with me, um, and for sharing this with those you love. I know you're already doing it, and I appreciate it so much. And thank you for continuing. It truly is one of the highest compliments that I can get is to know that you share this with people that you love and trust. Um, Thank you. So thanks for being here. I appreciate you. I love you. Let's go use our femininity superpowers to live a more authentic life every day. Thank you so much for listening. If something spoke to you, send me a message by sharing this episode and tagging me on social media. If you know someone who would love to hear this episode, please share it with them too. Because I love surprises, make sure you subscribe to the Golden Girls podcast today. It's the only way to find out about bonus surprise episodes and make sure you don't miss a single beat on your golden journey. Thanks again for listening and I will talk to you in the next episode of the Golden Girls podcast.